You're listening to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. Little by little, I was getting the sense of my time isn't my time. Just kept doing this pull to the outdoors and wanting to do something in the outdoor space. Welcome to the Two Bucks Podcast, the podcast for outdoor entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Brian Krebs, and with me today is Alex Rudd from Alex Rudd Fishing. Alex is the co or the host and creator of the YouTube channel, a podcast. He just went full-time outdoor entrepreneur in the fishing area, which we don't have a lot of people on yet from fishing, so I'm excited to have Alex here. How you doing, bud? Good, man. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, glad, I'm glad to be here, man. I... Uh, Appreciate you letting me come on and jabber with you for a little while. Yeah, yeah. So I like the accent. Obviously, it's not from Minnesota. You probably oh. think my accent sounds funny, but hey, you know, a little, a little hey there, ho there. How you doing, there? That's <laughs> that's what I always say. You got to get that Canadian. Like, Minnesota's not too bad. I got a couple buddies from Minnesota. Uh, we were talking just before we got in here, like in the little green room, about Sam Moore and my buddy Sam Moore. I mean, he is full blown. Like, hey there, ho there. You got any bush light? And I'm just like, dude. You're gonna to have to not talk like that when you're around me. Just just a little something, something southern twang in there. You know what I mean? Yeah, but then he probably tries it and just butchers it. Like, it, yeah, it's terrible. Yeah, it's <laughs> totally. I used to have some buddies from Missouri when I was when I was working for Bowhunter Die, and they were on the pro staff, and I was doing some of the behind the scenes stuff. But every time we'd get together for like our weekend staff stuff. I'd hang out with those guys, and after like a half a day, I all of a sudden I start talking like I was from Missouri. I love it. Yeah, I love it, dude. I'll get going sometimes, man. I sound like Boomhauer. Like I'll get excited about something. I mean, I'm going down. I'm going to tell you what, man, going town. And the people are like, "What is he saying?" And like, sometimes I don't even know what I'm saying. You know, it's just like noises. It's it's redneck noises, is what it is. Yeah, you look back on some of your film, you're like, "What was going on?" Yes. Oh, exactly. Like I've said things in videos before, and even my wife, like I'll be editing, and she's like what did you just say? And I'm like, I'm not really sure to be honest myself. I said something as redneck knees is what it was. I mean, we'll figure it out later. You know what I mean? I surprised myself with that one. That's right. That's right. That's funny. That's funny. So you, you just took the plunge and went full time. It sounds like, um, mutual friend, Eric Clark made us, uh, an introduction and mentioned that you mm -hmm. just took the leap into full time fisher fisherman. Yeah. 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 So back in June, um, before that, I was a teacher. I, I taught for five years in elementary school. Um, you know, got my, my degree and, and did that for, you know, five years and, and kind of worked, um, I would say, two full-time jobs. You know what I mean? I worked as a teacher, and, and then I did the whole, you know, YouTube and podcasts and just content creation thing on the side, and it was kind of my side hustle, but I was still doing it, you know, 40, 50 hours a week. And it finally just got to the point. About middle of last year, so middle of 21, um, we was, it was about this time, you know, like kind of starting to wind down into the fall and going into the, the end of the year. I looked at my wife and I was like, you know, I'm burned out. Like teaching is just not what it was even, you know, two, three years before, you know, pre-pandemic teaching is, is what I call it. You know, post-pandemic teaching was a completely different world. And I told her, I said, I'm burned out on this. I said, can, can we make the leap to full-time? And, you know, she was like, yeah, we can, we'll be fine. She was like, you just got to kind of buck up and jump into it. And she was like, you're the one that's holding on to this. You're the one that's not, you know, going after it, you know, and not to say that we weren't both nervous, but she was definitely like the driving force behind like, Hey, it's now or never. And so 
you know, I went to my, my principal, uh, about two months before school ended and I walked into his office and I was like, Hey, I'm not coming back next year. I quit. And, you know, he was like more than happy for me, you know, and like everybody, the whole staff, once they found out was more than happy for me, but yeah, man, I made the jump from being a elementary school teacher and having a quote unquote career to, uh, being a full-time content creator and Fisher guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a big leap. How have things gone since you, since you left teaching and you went full-time? Has it been like pedal down, um, you know, screaming all kinds of like focus and did it take off or is it, were you already to the size you were when you, when you, when you quit teaching? Yeah. So everything is exponentially grown um, just as far as, you know, the reach and, and the analytics and, you know, that side of things, you know, the numbers nowadays, as far as like your subscribers and your followers and those kinds of, they grow so slowly, like, you know, right. unless it's TikTok, TikTok is its own like wild west of, you know, social media, but like, you know, Instagram and YouTube and all the other platforms, they just grow so slowly, but I've been seeing an exponential, you know, growth and just the analytics side of it, you know, and really seeing my reach and my numbers increase. And, uh, you know, the biggest thing is just the amount of content that I can focus on putting out now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's not only for me, but that's for companies I work with too. You know, now I'm, I'm more than just a dude who makes content for himself. Now I'm an asset for some of these companies because now I have time to create content for them as well. And so, you know, it's been one of those things that I've kind of, I don't know, started knocking on the door of being even more important to some of the people that I work with. And I, and I feel a lot of confidence in that, you know what I mean? Um, as, as far as just kind of like the workload and everything like that, it's doubled, you know, yeah. like, I, I wasn't working hard before, but like now I'm really working hard, you know, but I love it. I mean, I enjoy every second, you know, today I edited literally all day long. I got up this morning, you know, set the, the alarm for eight o'clock, got up, started editing and I've been editing until, probably just an hour ago, you know, scarf down some dinner and now we're doing a podcast. And so, you know, workload is definitely more, but it's enjoyable work. So I can, I cannot complain about it. Yeah. You, do you feel like you have that little fire underneath you now to like get up and run? Like you, you oh, before yeah. you're like, well, I'll get to it next week. I got these assignments to grade and I got a test coming up, whatever, you know, I'll get to it on Saturday. Yeah. It, it's, it's more, I don't know, like, dude, I, I'll be honest. Like when, even when I was a teacher, man, like I was working, literally 90 hours a week trying to make it happen. You know yeah. what I mean? And, and, and like, so now, you know, I still work 80 hours a week. <laughs> I just don't have to try to make it happen anymore. But I think the thing is like more now, it's just like, I'm totally reliant on myself. It's like, there's no fallback. There's no guarantee in a lot of it. I mean, there is guarantee, but it, it's all at the same time. It's not like that teacher paycheck. Like, you know, that teacher paycheck, it's going to hit the 21st of every month, yep. you know, no matter what. You know, it doesn't matter if the world's shut down, if it's snowing, if it's raining, what's going on. If you're sick, whatever it is, you get paid as a teacher. Whereas with this, it's just a little bit more of that like, hey, I got to rely on my own self. But I love that because I always said I was never created for a nine to five job. Like I always had it in me that I was going to do something like this. And so to be reliant on myself and to be my own boss and to be my own you know, motivator and my own person to get me up out of bed in the morning. I love that. And so like I thrive in that kind of almost chaotic, you know, chaotic kind of environment. So I've been loving it. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people, I mean, that's really what you just touched on what this podcast stands for. It's all of us out there that, you know, found our way into a nine to five and then went, man, this really isn't what I 
what I think I'm me being called for. This doesn't really seem what life should be like to me. And, mm-hmm. you know, how do I find a way to build something that I can leave the nine to five? And it's exactly what yeah. you've done. I mean, you've got, I was just looking at some of your videos, but notice you're, you're knocking on the door of 50,000 subscribers on YouTube. You're in the thirties on Instagram. I mean, you've definitely made some, you've definitely made some progress along the way. You figured some stuff out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, man. It was uh it's been, it's been a long drawn out process and, you know, Outside of TikTok again, I will refer to TikTok again as the Wild West of of, of social media. Nobody knows what's going on over there. <laughs> I mean, like it's just like a hand grenade. You just throw it out there and hope you hit something. And if you do hit something, you're going to really mess it up. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Have you noticed that the more effort you put into a TikTok post, the worse it does? And some of the times where you're just like, ah, oh, let's just rip it and set post it, yep. and it hits like viral in in seconds, and you're like. Dude, the biggest TikTok that I ever posted, I literally was in a kayak and had this motor in the center of it. And I, I pick my phone up and I am sitting in this little muddy, like just crap hole of a creek, right? And so I pull my phone, and I go, Hey, TikTok, check out this. This is the coolest kayak ever made. You put the motor in, put the key in, hit the throttle, and you're on your way. I hit post. I put my phone in my pocket. I don't think about it. Like, don't even look at it. Don't think about it. I go home, take a shower. Me and my wife are going out on a date going out on this date and do my phone. It was just, and I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, this is about to drive me nuts. I whip my phone out and it's got like, I think it had like 2 million views in like four hours. Wow. And I, I was like, okay. Oh my gosh. All right. So I'm like, we're going and we're watching it. And like, every time you reload it, it's like a hundred thousand more, a hundred thousand more, a hundred thousand more. And me and my wife are just like, you know, horse laughing at it because it's just the simplest, stupidest video ever. By the time it was all said and done, I posted the video once and then reposted it for like a, you know, one of those trends is like, what was your most viral video yep. for, you know, year? cumulatively just mine, not including all the reposts. Cause it's been reposted literally thousands of times at this point. I got 60 million views on that one TikTok. Holy and it was like, crap, dude, dude, it's insane. Right. I mean, like just total insanity, but to go back to kind of the original, you know, you know, statement about this, all the rest of the socials, man, it's, I've grinded those things, man. You know, it's been one of those things. It's just consistency kind of taking that Gary V approach of every single day, you know, finding a piece of content to post, putting it out there, YouTube, you know, being as consistent as possible. Even if I, you know, when I was super busy, being a teacher and doing all that, trying to upload at least twice a week, you know, and that's really been my thing there is just to be the hardest working guy in the room, just outwork everybody, you know, and it's, I may not have the biggest following, but I have a very committed following and a following that loves what I do and is very monetizable, you know what I mean? And and I can leverage, you know, that following to be able to live my dream. And it's, it's dude, I'm, I'm just, I tell people all the time, I'm just happy that I get to go get up and do whatever I want to every single day. Like it's the greatest feeling in the world. It's just a total blessing. And I, I, I can't believe it still sometimes. Yeah. That's the exact feeling I want everyone that listens to this podcast to feel at some point in their life, you know, and if that's working your nine to five and you just got this dream promotion, then you're so happy about it. But you know, for me, it's not, it's something else. And for you, it's obviously the fishing side of it, but I just want everyone to feel that, like that energy that you just like, can't wait for tomorrow morning to go back and to work some more. It's it, man. I mean, life's too short not to experience that. You know what I mean? And like that was kind of one of my big catalysts into jumping full time was the I don't know. I, I didn't get faced with my mortality. My dad did, but my dad was diagnosed with stage four colon cancer two years ago. And 
it was in that moment that I realized I was like, dude, this could all be over and snap of a finger, right. you know, like, and what is, what is guaranteed in life other than death and taxes? And I was like, <laughs> nothing, you know what I mean? Like there's, I'm not guaranteed tomorrow. I'm not guaranteed the next hour, you know? And I, I thought to myself, that was another big driving force as to why I quit being a teacher and, and just jumped into this thing head first is because yeah, heck it may be tough some days and it may be rough some days, but I still get to get up and live my dream. And, you know, to see my dad fight every single day, like he does and fight cancer, like he does, it's like, you know, it's just more motivation to get out there and go as hard as I possibly can go because again, not guaranteed tomorrow, like live happiness, man, be happy and, and find happiness in something and just grab a hold of it and don't let it go. Yeah. I, you said it perfectly. I mean, find what makes you happy in life and never stop chasing it for sure. I mean, that's yep. incredible. I mean, incredible story. I mean, I hope, I hope people don't have to, you know, like you said, face mortality to, to find what's what they love in life. But I mean, I just hope people find it. I just hope people find yeah. that and, and they're not afraid to take that chance. Um, I want to help people like, you know, share like, here's how you can do it. A lot of times it's probably some simple hangups that are keeping people from chasing their dreams. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was when I started my beard oil company, it was like taxes. How do I collect sales tax? Yeah. And yeah. what to name the stupid company. Yeah. And those are the two yeah. things that were holding me up the whole time. It probably held me up for six months before I finally was like, you know what? I'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. You just send it. Sometimes you just got to send it, yeah. you know? And one thing I think is a huge piece of advice for a lot of people. And, and this is what I tell a lot of people who ask me, you know, like, how do you do it? It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's aligning yourself with a group of, of people who know more than you do about certain subjects and, and really, you know, listening to what they have to say about that. Because there's people who have a lot more experience in things than I do that have helped me along my way. You know what I mean? And like taxes, that was one of my big ones. Like I didn't know how to own, a, own my own business. You know what I mean? Like right. I didn't even know, like all I'd ever done was get paid and they tax it and we go all, I don't know how you do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so... I aligned myself with a really good CPA who I've befriended now and we're buddies, but like outside of being buddies, he's also a really good professional. And it's like, so when I have questions or I have hangups like that, I can go to him and I can ask him and it's not what I know, it's who I know in that person. And it's the same thing within the fishing industry, everything that I have within the fishing industry. Yeah. There's a skill set attached to it. Right. And there's a content piece attached to it and there's what I've done, but most of it is, who I've known. Yeah. I built this great thing that I'm, you, you know, I can show to people and go, this is what I can do, but it's also, I probably would have never had 90% of the conversations if I didn't know somebody first. And yeah. so I, I tell people all the time, you know, be friendly to everybody, get to know everybody, shake everybody's hands and really figure out like, who are the people you can align yourself with? And those are the people that are going to help you to be able to chase your dream. Yeah. And if, and if you're thinking to yourself, well, you know, that's nice for you, Alex, and that's nice for you, Brian, but I don't know people in the fishing industry. I don't know, you know, I don't know Bill Dance. I don't know Tom Cabello. I don't know these people. Well, I don't know about you, but I didn't know anybody when I started this. I had a list of friends that I could probably have on the podcast. The first guest was a friend that I already knew. Yeah. Yeah. All the rest of the guests, except the last episode, have been new people I've met since I've started. I didn't know them when I started. I've met them along the journey. You and I met last week and now we're on a pod, you know, so it's like, you know, you don't have to know people to get started. The only two people I've known on this podcast were episode one, Dan Matthews. He helped me start the podcast. And as you mentioned, 
last episode, I had my CPA on to talk about what what you should, what should you be aware of as you're owning a business and what you know the differences between becoming an LLC and not and how a sole prop affects your W two income and yeah, dude, yeah, yeah, it's dude, and I mean, dude, I didn't know anybody. Like you know, I got my my big kind of mentor in the fishing industry is a man named Rick Patry. And he owns Monster Bass, which is one of the companies I work with, you know, a company that I've been aligned with since the jump. And I've known Rick for going on a decade now. And Rick, you know, it was one of those deals that I was just putting content out there and I was doing my thing. And he reached out to me, you know, and said, hey, I want to work with you. And, you know, the capacity in which he wanted to work was I don't think he ever thought I'm going to be friends with this guy a decade from now. (laughs) You know what I mean? And it, but it's what it's turned into. But I remember the first year we went to ICAST and ICAST is a big, um, you know, fishing trade show that they have down in Orlando. You know, it's kind of like shot show or, yep. you know, one of those, those types of things. And, um, we walked up every single aisle up and down every single aisle. And he just stopped and introduced me to everybody that he knew. And we even walked into booths where we didn't know people and we introduced ourselves to them. And it was just like, it was at that moment I realized, I was like, man, this is like, this is a skill that I didn't even know that I needed, which is just the skill of being able to get to know people, like find the ability to like shake a hand, say hi, and just be nice. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like, dude, you would be amazed how far that can take you. You know, this coming weekend, I got an event that I'm going to, and I've been invited to a dinner, you know, and with a guy that's not even related to the fishing industry, but it's one of those things. It's like, I know the value of sitting down with people and it's mm-hmm. like, it's worth my time to go do that because I know any one of those conversations could benefit me then or five years from now. It's, you know, just being there and shaking those hands and saying hi to those people can take you a long, long way. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm sure some people are, you know, would be mortified to have to walk into a booth at a trade show and stick their hand in front of someone they've never met before. Absolutely. But for me, probably sounds like for you too, I get the most enjoyment out of that. Just meeting new people. It's the funnest part of this whole thing. It's the least amount of work. It's the biggest payoff. The number of times I've walked into a booth at a show and said, Hey, you know, I'm Brian, I'm doing this new project. It's called two bucks podcast. I really want to help inspire people to chase their dreams and out in the outdoor entrepreneur space. And the number of times I've been, I've heard, I would love to help. I know this guy and this guy and this guy, I'll do it. You know, oh, you should talk to this guy or this girl. They've done this and that. And it's like, holy crap, I just wanted to say hi. And now I got six contacts. I mean, and the guy gave me a free ice cream cone besides. Like, it's like, what's going on here? Like, I love that part of it. So if if you're one of those people that that is afraid to just walk into a booth, it, it gets better. Even extroverts, the first time you're like, oh, man, I hope this works out. I hope this is a nice guy. But it, it gets easier. Yeah, it does. And I mean, you know, the thing about those shows too, is those people are there to do that. You know, they're there to network and they they know the power of it. And most of those people, you know, like you said, even if they can't do it, they know somebody and they want to see business grow and they know the value of what a good relationship can do. And so they're so willing to help because they know the value of, of what even one conversation can do. And it's like, you know, that's, that's one thing, so my rod and reel sponsor, well, my rod, reel, bait, tackle storage, it's Pure Fishing. Pure Fishing owns Berkeley, Abu Garcia, Fenwick, Plano, you know, big, big names in the industry. And the only reason that I know anybody there is because I worked at another rod company with a guy who's now their lead, their lead bait designer. 
And so it's like, dude, you know, that's a, that's a relationship that was six, seven years in the making, but it was just started from, Hey, you're Alex Rudd. And I'm like, Hey, you're Nathan. And like, we shook hands and he's like, Hey, let me come over here and introduce you to Glenn. And then Glenn introduced me to this guy and this guy and that guy. And here we are, you know, seven, eight years later. And it's just all those relationships have, have compounded and ping ponged off each other to be where I can talk to people and know people. And it's just, you know, it's, it's worth the conversation. Oh yeah. You're, you're in, in, um, what I like to hear is the way Eric Clark put it from the OKS Hunter podcast return on relationships has an infinite possibility of, you know, gain. There's no limit to the return on a relationship, the return on an investment. I mean, you're really doing good if you can hit 20% a year, right? I mean, that's, that'd be great. If you could get a 20% return on your money every year, sign me up, but a relationship, this guy knows that person. And then you talk to that person and they know two more people. And all of a sudden you've got a network. Absolutely. Yeah. That's big. Absolutely. How long ago did you start this whole thing? I mean, I mean, maybe like when was the moment you created the channel and said, I'm going to try to build a fishing channel? (laughs) Well, I'll be honest. It didn't start like that, right? Like it started as more of just like a a fun hobby thing. And so this is a story I've told a thousand times and I'm sure nobody that's listening to this podcast has heard it. So I don't have to apologize up front because I know like all the people who listen to fishing podcasts are like, Oh God, here's Alex's story again about how he got started. (laughs) But, um, so, so essentially, you know, when I was a kid, I never wanted to be a professional fisherman. I thought professional fishermen were cool. And I thought, you know, stickers on your boat, I, I appreciated what that was, but I was always a little counterculture to that. You know what I mean? Um, I don't really know why. I just never kind of enjoyed the whole pageantry of the whole thing. And, and you know, I was also, when I was a kid, into fishing, hunting, and then into, like, motorsports, like motocross and, and riding four-wheelers, and we rode dirt bikes, and, you know, we thought we were Travis, you know, Travis Pastrana, but really yeah. we were just two, you know, a couple redneck kids. You were kids more like Steve-O. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were just trying not to kill ourselves on, on dirt bikes we did not belong on. And, um but I loved watching that freestyle motocross videos, you know, like out in the desert where they're backflipping the motor, you know, the motorcycles and, you know, they're playing punk rock music and just like, it was my vibe, you know what I mean? And so, it, you know, several, several years passed by and, you know, I was probably, it's like 2016, 17 timeframe. And I thought to myself, man, like the, like fishing, I watch fishing on TV and it's just like boring to me. It's like you watch, it's like, hey, Bill, we're going to go use this here spro crankbait to catch these bass. Yeah, Tom, we are. And we're also going to, and it's just like this yeah. like pageantry and this show of like this sponsor and that sponsor and just blah. You know what I mean? Like two fat, 40, you know, middle aged white guys standing on the front of the boat. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to make like fishing videos like I want to see, like the old school freestyle motocross videos. And so I started making these like hook set montages to just like rock and roll music. You know what I mean? Oh (laughs) my gosh. I can't imagine a better way to grow on YouTube in the early days of YouTube. And then that was it. Like I I hit it, you know what I mean? Cause like, it was just me and my dad. And like, it was like flip a jig on a dock and just whack and just, you know, and we're just going, you know what I mean? And so this thing, I start putting these videos out there, not even knowing that like you could, you know, that people had big YouTube channels or that you could like make money on YouTube. Like I knew people had YouTube channels, but I just thought everybody was just on there just doing it for fun, you know? And right. so I thought, well, I'm going to do this fun thing too. So I put these videos out there and like, I put out one 
and I forgot it was like several videos in and it got like 2000 views. And I thought, Oh my gosh, I'm the biggest thing in fishing right now. Cause you know, at the time, <laughs> right. like, I, had, I had no idea, you know, that people were getting hundreds of millions of views on YouTube. And, you know, I kept going, I kept going and it kept growing and evolving and I kept growing and evolving. And it eventually got to like, you know, where I'd sit down and I'd talk about a bait or I would do this and I would include some talking pieces. And I started to get more into YouTube and watching guys like Casey Nastat and Peter McKinnon and started like applying what they were doing to the, to my stuff. And cause I thought this is cool. Like there's still kind of this weird counterculture punk rock underground scene, but it's, I can apply this to fishing. And then the first company reached out to me and like this company emails me and actually called me Rick. It was Rick Patrick at the time. And he owned a company called lucky tackle box, which is no longer around. Um, but he calls me and like, Rick is like full blown California. And so he lives in California, studio city, California. So he calls me and, you know, you gotta imagine he's like, Hey man, like, I'd love to send you a, a tackle box. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever. Like, this is such a scam. Hang up on him. And he like calls back and he's like, no, for real. Like, I want to do this for you. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I get this box of bait sent to my door every month. And I'm like, huh, like I did that just because I make a video. It's kind of cool. Well, then like a jig company reached out and wanted to send me jigs and tungsten just because I make videos. And it was like at that moment, I realized, and this was probably like two years into it. I was like, huh. I just wonder if I can make money doing this. Well, then I went to ICAST for the first time and I got around some like real deal YouTubers, like some dudes who were yeah. actually doing it. You know what I mean? And like, they're like, oh yeah, you got to monetize your channel and you know, sponsor dollars this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, huh? I'm like, what's a, what is a monetize? What, how do you monetize? Can you hold a monetize? What is a monetize? And they're like, you got to monetize your channel. And I'm like, I don't know what the hell I'm, how to monetize my channel. And they're like, Oh, you got to do this, whatever. And I'm like, well, how much money are you making? And this one guy was like, Oh, I'm making like three grand a month. And I was like, huh? Right. <laughs> and it was at that moment that my, my perspective shift in, in it shifted. And I, I realized like, it's been my dream, my whole childhood up to this point to, to fish for a living. But the only way that you could ever do that in the past was to be a professional and to fish, you know, tournament scene. Mm -hmm. But like now this new thing was coming out in the YouTube world and in the social media content creation world where you could fish for a living and never have to even worry about fishing a tournament ever. And it yeah. was like my mind started building. I was like, Alex, you know, this is your chance to do what you've always wanted to do. You need to double, triple, quadruple down on this and make it your priority to build this thing into what it needs to be built into to make it your full-time gig. And, you know, I don't want that to sound as though I lost the love for it because I never did. I mean, dude, I love it. Like I still, I mean, my favorite thing is I get to get up and make a video in the morning. Like I love making videos. I love going fishing. Like the day that I don't like fishing is the, anymore is the day that I hang it up. And honestly, I don't think that day will ever, ever come. Like this is like the, the one thing, you know what I mean? Right. And, and, but like, I, I just knew I had to do it. And so I just started, dude. I mean, I worked every single day I got up and I thought, how can I make this grow? How can I do better? How can I do more? How can I fit this into normal life? And, you know, at that time, normal life, I, I worked at a, a hospital and uh, worked there for, you know, three, four years doing YouTube and then quit and went to co college. And at that time I was making enough money 
doing YouTube and landscaping and subbing <laughs> at elementary schools to make it. And then got a job as a teacher and kept working and kept growing and kept going and kept going. And, you know, really it's been the past like three years that it really turned into like, Hey, I got to get a business license and I have to set up my taxes the right way. And like, yeah. I'm making like double, like, like, you know, a few years ago, I was like, I'm making double what I make as a teacher doing content creation. And then it was like, I make a triple what I make as a teacher doing content creation. And then it was like to the point where Bethany, my wife, again, kind of going back to that original thing, she was like, honey, you're wasting your time going to work as a teacher. You need to quit your job and you need to double down on this because we are making way more money doing this. And it was like, all right, send it. And I mean, you know, that's been the journey, man. I mean, you know, it, it seems it's condensed and it doesn't portray all the hard work because it was a lot of hard work and, you know, staying up one, two, three o'clock in the morning, editing videos, you know, there was, um, the, the year of the pandemic was like the year that I really kind of buckled down. And there were nights that I would stay up till three o'clock in the morning, editing videos. I would get one to two hours of sleep and have to be back up at five thirty, six o'clock to get up, take a shower and start driving to school. Cause I had an hour drive to the school that I taught at. I'll get there an hour early, I would grade papers. I would write lesson plans, get everything ready for the day. I would teach all day and, you know, until 3.30 when my kids left. I would stay after until 5 to 6 o'clock just trying to get everything kind of prepared for me to come back in the next morning to do it all over again. Yeah. Go home, scrap down a meal, make a video, make a podcast, edit, get on a phone call with a company, you know, and that's a whole nother like aspect of this we can get into is just talking to those companies and keeping those relationships going. Even when I was working full time and I would go to one, two, three o'clock in the morning again, get a couple hours of sleep and just go right back at it again. And, you know, like it, it was a lot, but it was worth every bit of it because when the pandemic hit as bad as it was for so many people, Dude, all it was for me was a freaking, I mean, I had the bases loaded and I walked the biggest, baddest corn fed boy out there to the plate and we knocked one straight out of the, out of the park when the pandemic hit. Yeah. Cause all, no one could do anything but watch content. Exactly. And I was in the one piece of content creation niche where guess what? I didn't, I got to be outside. Like I was away from everybody. Yeah. You could just keep like, doing it. Yeah. And so we just literally, I just hammered down and I was making four to five videos a week. And, you know, double my subscriber count, double my follower count, doubled my presence online, started the podcast, did all of those things. And it was like, that was the step that I needed to push me over that, that ledge to get me to where I'm at now to be able to do this. That's incredible. How, what's a, what's a week look like in, in, in season, not out of season. I mean, I know, I mean, depending on where you are and what you fish, winter time could obviously lakes could freeze and stuff like that so you know when you're in your peak season what does a week look like for you are you fishing every day are you fishing a couple days a week and then doing a couple days of content maybe a day at home with the family how does it look like for you yeah so we're actually kind of like in peak season right now for me um fishing down here is like awesome right now because our lakes fortunately don't freeze i've only ever seen a frozen lake once in my whole entire life did like, you walk on it, it? I did not. I was scared to death of it. Um, like, yeah, people are like, you should have walked on it. It was thick enough. I'm like, y'all are crazy. When I hear people are driving cars out on the ice and trucks out on the, like my buddy Ben lives in Michigan. He's like, oh yeah, I drove my Tundra out on the ice to go ice fishing today. I'm like, you're crazy. You're smoking dope. I don't, that's, I would never do that. It scares <laughs> the crap out of me. Um, but anyway, like, so right now I'm kind of like in peak season, but, uh, you know, normally I try to fish at least three days a week. Okay. Um, 
Because I feel as though like, you know, three solid days of getting out there and like going after it and really like, hey, today I'm going to go find a bot. I'm going to make a video, intentionally make a video today. If I can do that, um, that allows me to just stay a week to two weeks ahead on video and in content. Mm-hmm. Um, and I usually spend two days as like office hours and office yep. hours like tomorrow's an office day for me. Um, t- this morning, was, today was an office day too. You know, I kind of mix my week up a little bit this week just because I have an obligation at the end of the week. But like tomorrow will be an office day and like tomorrow is go get the haircut, go drop off things at the UPS, edit videos, edit audio, like just getting that kind of like those things, like take the trash out. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Like those things that get neglected the other three to four days a week when I'm fishing. Because, you know, one thing is like when I go fishing, like I'm going. Like right. there's no interrupting me. There's no stopping what I'm doing. Like I'm at work and like Bethany knows that and everybody else knows it. it's like I'm at work and I treat this just like I would treat it as, as, as if I was in my classroom. Like I can't answer the phone. I can't, unless somebody's dead or dying, don't call me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And so, you know, but yeah, at least, at least three days a week, you know, now I'll send it every now and again and do like a straight five day week where I fish every single day. Yeah. Um, and a lot of that is like springtime. You know, I guess that would also be like a peak time just because the fish are biting good. The bite's going good. And what I'm trying to do is just get as much possible content as I can. And if that means, you know, going and sending it for 12 hours on a lake and getting two or even three videos done in one day, that's what I'm going to go do. Um, but yeah, that's, that's normally kind of a normal week for me. Are you, and are you filming most of your videos with GoPros? I, I mean, I'm, the video I was watching, obviously it looks like it was a chest mounted rig. Um, mm-hmm. is it all GoPro pretty much? Yeah. Essentially GoPro is 90% of what I do. You know, I've got my DSLR, like mirrorless camera that mm-hmm. I'll get B-roll with and do talking segments with, and, you know, get kind of more of that stuff where I need that more cinematic look or that more just kind of high end look or better audio. But I mean, in the world in which I operate due to GoPro is, is the ultimate tool, you know? So I run, I run two GoPros. They're both hero tens. Um, and I try to run, you know, one on the chest and then try to get kind of like a third person point of view out of it. Um, especially in the kayak, you know, in the boat, not so much. I mean, people don't really seem to care, you know, like, like looking at my analytics, looking at retention, everything in the boat, the chest camera kind of is the king but like in the kayak they love that kind of third person over my shoulder view of what i've got going on and so i run two gopros in there just to kind of give you know multiple angles get a good view of everything that's going on but yeah mostly gopros are you are you hitting play and running them all day or is it you know oh i because fishing would be hard and hunting in a way it's like oh there's an animal turn my camera on let's go do this Mm -hmm. with fishing you're like i never know when this thing's gonna bite yeah exactly no so i use the looping mode on gopros Okay. Um, everybody has their different philosophy on how they like to do it. Like I had a buddy in that's a YouTuber does this full time as well, Larry. And, uh, he runs just like big chunks of time, you know, like talking about Larry Smith outdoors. No, Larry Melton jr. Oh, okay. Give One of Alabama. my podcast guests had Larry Smith on or was okay. really good okay. friends with him. I was like, Oh, same small I world. I don't know Larry Smith, but that sounds like a very generic white guy name. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's from the North. He's, I think he's a, a fishing, uh, guy out in, minnesota so <laughs> oh, gotcha, gotcha. well larry 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 melton is black so it's probably not the same guy but um anyway <laughs> i love me some larry me and larry larry would like that joke but anyway um i'm gonna get canceled um but, <laughs> but so like larry you know larry runs these big chunks of time like he'll run like 25 minutes at a time so he runs like 25 minute chunks well i like the looping what looping does is it records for five minutes 
it saves that five minutes and then records another five minutes and then deletes the previous five minutes unless you save it. And so it's really, I know it's kind of funky in your, yeah. So you're basically, you're running all the time, but if you get something you want to save, you got to hit the save button and say, yep, that five minute clip, keep it and then move on. Otherwise we're going to overrun. We're basically going to override it. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And for me, man, it like helps with my efficiency a ton when I'm editing. Cause I mean, if I got an eight hour day and I catch 20 fish, I'm going to have, you know, oh my gosh. with talking pieces and with everything that I've got going on, I'm going to have 150 clips, you yeah. know what I mean? But what it allows me to do is like anywhere that there's a there. So the clips are saved in one minute increments and anywhere there's like a 45 second increment. That's where your fish catches at. That's where like you've put them in the boat you know, you've talked about them and you put them back in the water. That's where that's going to be at. Okay. And so I've just got really efficient with that system. You know, there's people that would totally disagree with me and they hate that. But for me, I have, knock on wood, I've yet to miss a fish, fish catch using that system. And so that's how I run mine it's in that looping mode. Okay. How are you, what are you doing with battery life? I mean, batteries aren't lasting all day, is it? No. So I run an external battery. Uh, I'm running a 15,000 a milliamp hour external battery pack. And then I just run no battery in the GoPro and run a cable straight into the GoPro and it just powers it all day long. That, uh, oh. like after, yeah, after like a fifth, like I've run them the longest I've ever run one of those 15,000 milliamp hours was 12 hours straight. And that's and not like, even big anymore. No, like no you, I have like a 30, 30 that I use for like elk hunting. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, they're the size of your iPhone. Yeah. And, like, I actually ruined one the other day. I dumped it in the water. But, um, like, that's the only downside is, like, nothing, which is kind of, it's kind of an oxymoron. I'm around water, but, like, most of my cameras are not waterproofed. You know, I watched you I, whip your phone out super fast, and you were pulling the yeah. motor out of your kayak. I'm like, I would have my phone down that hole, lickety split. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, you got to have a it, – it's definitely when you're in the kayak, you got to have everything tethered in, and sometimes I don't tether things in because I'm just irresponsible and don't need to be – don't I'm looking be looking like at your me. pliers right now, and that is not tethered in. No, no, I've lost a lot of pliers and a lot of scissors out there. You like, know what would be a great – I mean, you know, this is an entrepreneur podcast, and I'm an engineer, so you know what would be a great – a high-strength pliers that floats. Dude, I've been saying that. I don't understand – I've literally been looking into it myself as how to make it doesn't like, even have to be that hard for fishing. Like we're not trying to bend sheet metal here. No, we just got to pull line. it out. Yeah. Like you could probably clip get some high density polycarbonate that floats. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing to me. Like there's a company called Catchboard that makes the boards that we use in kayak tournaments okay. to measure fish. You got to use this specific brand of board because it just people have cheated in the past. And so they're like, Hey, this is the, the okay, standard. Yeah. And so they made a polycarbonate version of it. And like, I was thinking to myself, man, you could have made a chamber inside the back of this thing and filled it full, you know, make it airtight and the, the board is yep. going to float. Yep. But instead they make the back completely open. And as soon as it hits the water, the bad boy just starts sinking. And I'm just like, why are we not, if we're in a kayak, like, why do I have to worry about everything being tethered in? Like make things float. It amazes me. We don't make floating things yet. Hey, it sounds like a brand, a brand, uh, a vertical you could get into. Uh, I'm telling you that is a, uh, I'll be honest. It's kind of, it's kind of a funny transition there. That's my next step in this whole thing that I've got going on is finding a, a line of products that I see a need for making them and then putting them out there and using what I've got going on to, to build it. You know what I mean? Um, well, yeah, you've built an 
excellent platform for marketing fishing products. Now you mm-hmm. just need the fishing product. Start with exactly. the platform, then bring the product. I mean, that's why I built the podcast. One of the reasons is I wanted a place where I could market my beard oil company. I have yeah. dreams about software companies for in the trail camera space. I mean, I got all kinds of dreams, but I was like, mm-hmm. man, it's going to pay a lot of advertising fees if I'm paying other podcasters to pu- push my product. And to be fair, mm-hmm. no one's going to push it as well as you. You've got the energy. You've got the passion for it. So now it's like you're, you're suited well to, to bring a product line into your into your umbrella. Exactly, man. And I mean, you know, the the space in which I want to work doesn't interfere with any of the companies that I work with. And it's something that I see a need that needs to be filled. And like, I'm, 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 I'm really working on it right now. That's a big goal for me for 23. Kind of, you know, you want to put it on your vision board or your goal board or whatever you, you know, I've got literally a calendar up front and I write things on it that I, that I want to accomplish. And like, that's one of the things that I wrote down is, is building a personal brand in 23 outside of Alex Red Fishing brand. Now let's build something as an extension of Alex Red Fishing yeah. that, that can, you know, even 15 years from now, even if YouTube dies, that thing can still exist within the world. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to, I want to get back a little bit to the GoPro thing. So when you, you say you yeah. pulled the battery out, is that because when you plug it in with the battery in, it doesn't want to record? Cause that's what my GoPro tells me. Yeah, so it's either their battery's too hot or the battery's too cold. There's something about the new software in the tens and above that. Okay. So GoPro, this is totally software. This is nothing to do. I found this out from somebody who's actually a software engineer. GoPro introduced the cold battery when they introduced the GoPro Hero 10. And the cold battery was supposed to be for cold weather sports. Well, the battery is no different other than the way the software reads it. So the software reads it in a different way and accepts it. And you're supposed to get better battery life in the cold weather with the cold weather battery, but there's nothing hardware about it. It's all software. You're saying it's just still a lithium ion battery. The software just uses it differently. And yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so it's like, yeah, it's kind of screwed up. And so, with the the newer GoPros, like the older GoPros, you just plug a battery right into it. And it just, you know, even if you had the battery inside of it, it would run. Okay. Whereas with these new GoPros, you got to take the battery out. And which, I mean, it does. I mean, did they run efficiently all day? Like I'm, like I said, twelve hours. I can run on one of those batteries. And honestly, like this time of year, you know, you're not getting twelve hours of daylight out of a day. And you know, right. most of my fishing trips, eight nine hours at, at you know, you know, I've pushed it onto those you know kind of twelve day, twelve hour, thirteen hour days. But for the most part, eight nine hours is all I need it for, and it's it's working really well. And then when you're in looping mode, is saving just hitting the button? Mm-hmm. So like, let's say I catch a fish, you know, I get him in the boat, like you know, hey, big smallmouth, awesome, whatever, beep, save it, and then I'll turn it back on and be like, hey, let's put her back in the water, put her back in the water, see her high five my buddy, you know, knuckles, whatever, hit the button again. Okay. And it's going to like that little 50 seconds of, you know, everything. And then just hit her again and she starts rolling and we just roll until we get to another fish catch. Okay. So it's okay. So when you, you're saving two clips then when you hit that button. Yeah. Yeah. It, it It's going to run for five minutes until you hit the button. And it, and it doesn't matter where it's in that minute of the five minute segment. So it's five, 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 one minute segments. Okay. And so, so let's say you hit it on the last segment over here and it's, you know, it's, you know, four minutes and 30 seconds. So you're going to have five clips that all come together as four minutes and 30 seconds of footage. And then if you hit that button again and it only runs for a minute 20 and then you hit the button again, it's going to save that minute and 20 
because that's all there was within a five-minute span. Oh, so if you're getting lots of action, it's not going to waste the other three minutes and 40 seconds on you. Like, it's like, okay, this was one, that was one. Gotcha. Yes. I'm seeing, can you, can you tweak that? The five minute thing? Could you set that in the GoPro? Oh yeah. yeah. I think it goes five, 10, 15, 25, 45 and 50, I think is what it is. And so like you can run a 50 minute loop. Yeah. Who wants to do that much editing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean like, so let's say you're, you know, let's say you're about to go, you know, like, you know, spot stalk an elk and you know, it's going to take roughly 45 minutes to go over and poke him. You know what I mean? You could put yeah. that bad boy on 50 and just have her running. And then when you double lung it, you hit that clip, it's going to save it. And you've got that arrow leaving, you leaving your bow and hitting that elk, you know? Yeah. I've, I've been lazy in creating long format content outdoors. Like obviously I create this podcast and I do stuff yeah. like this, but it's just like, I, I did it once I was trying to self film archery and it just wrecked it for me for a while. Like trying to get the shot on camera and using a camera arm and everything and then drawing back and then you get busted or the doe ducks mm-hmm. your arrow. And I was like, I'm enough of it. I'm not doing this anymore. Well, and then yeah. I bought this GoPro for the podcast, which I don't even use for the podcast anymore. I was going to do like a third angle. I'll use it eventually, but and now I'm thinking, you know, speaking to you, I'm thinking like I should be doing like shed seasons coming up and I'm going to be starting to shed hunt. It's like I should figure this out. And, you know, yeah. shed hunting content's not the most exciting thing in the world, but it helps. And that was kind of going to lead me into my next question is like, what do you think views on YouTube are? Is it something where you have to go full on like a couple of episodes a week or a couple of videos a week? Or could you do it like seasonally, like, you know, create some content here, like read it there kind of treat it as a side hustle would it still have any traction or is it just going to fizzle out not be worth your time yeah. youtube is a is an interesting platform that honestly is ever evolving like it changes constantly like it is it is a live i honestly think at this point this is like a kind of weird conspiracy theory of mine that like the ai has got to the point that it's alive because like, <laughs> it because it feels like you're dealing with a living creature. Like mm. it honestly, it's like it changes so rapidly and is ever evolving, but there's definitely seasonality in YouTube. And like right now, you know, we're in the winter season. And so all the content that I create is going to have something to do with winter because we're in the winter season and people are looking for winter fishing, whatever it is. Okay. Right? Um, you know, big thing right now is ice fishing. I can't do that because I don't have ice, but up there where you guys, you know, live, um, there's a guy that lives in Minnesota, his name's Sam Sobe, and he's big, big content creator. Well, he's like full blown into ice fishing and hunting right now. But that being said, he does have the seasonality of the other things that he does throughout the year. Okay. YouTube is definitely not a platform to that you can post for three months and then go away for three months and then come back for three more months. You're never going to get that. You can get views and you can have your type of success but you better gauge the amount of success that you want to have youtube loves consistency okay and consistency can look like once a week it can look like once every two weeks it can look like once a month but there has to be a cadence into which you're uploading because that's how the algorithm sees you it sees you as a number and it sees you as you know uh it's it's a strange how how do i say it's very strange it kind of just sees you as a pattern yeah. So you have to form a pattern. And, and if, if, you're if, good at, if you're saying if you're consistent, the algorithm can almost schedule your content in. Like I know yes. Alex is going to post twice or three times a week. I can yes. kind of bank on him posting it and find that in the feeds for everyone and find a home. But if Alex posts once here, once there, 
you know, he doesn't post anything all summer. And then he comes back in the fall. It's like, I don't know where to put his content because I've filled those slots. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, and it's not to make it sound like YouTube is like, you know, in a state of disparity, like there's only so much to go around. It's just that it views everything as numbers. You know, it's, it's right. a, it's just a giant number machine. It's a math machine and it's just doing math constantly because there's like 800 minutes of content uploaded every second. Oh and so gosh. like this, yeah. So this, like this giant supercomputer AI system that Google has is running full steam ahead. Just going like, how do I categorize baby pukes in guy's mouth next to winter bass fishing next to elk shed hunting. And so it's just like, if you can give it some sort of consistency, then that's what the system loves to see because then it goes, yeah. Oh, this is safe. This is like normal. This is reliable and I can stick him here. And then boom, you know, you're, you're doing it. I wonder how many minutes of YouTube is viewed per second. Dude, I I remember Joe Rogan. I was listening to Joe Rogan. They were going over it. And I think it was like 800 minutes of YouTube every minute. And like the consumption rate was almost exactly equal. Like it was insane the amount of YouTube that's being viewed. And it's only exponentially growing. Like that's the crazier part is like YouTube is only getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And, you know, one thing about YouTube that shifted, uh, I'd probably say probably five years ago, is that YouTube quit being a platform for, you know, like people like, oh, Charlie, you bit my finger. You remember that video? Yeah. It's like the biggest YouTube video of all time. So you could just like upload something. And, and YouTube was like, oh, look, more things for us to have. And it's just like, here, people, look at this thing that we have now because it didn't have enough content to like do anything with. And so it was just craving the input of content, whatever it was. And so like, that's why I could upload a video of me setting the hook to the Foo Fighters and it would do well. Yeah. Whereas now if you did that, it's not going to do well. And that's because now YouTube is the second biggest search engine on planet earth next to Google itself. Yeah. So like you have to be searchable and you have to be, you know, you have to give value to people in a way where it's like, I'm going to YouTube to learn something. And that's what YouTube has turned into is a learning platform. I mean, it's the biggest free learning platform on planet earth. Yeah. Entertainment learning. Like I want to learn something, but I want it to be entertaining while I learn it. And I want it to be in the way I want to see it. It's almost like custom Netflix. (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, dude, that is, that's the world in which we live in now. And that's what I'm, I'm on a crusade to hopefully get the fishing industry caught up because I don't know what the hunting industry is like, but the fishing industry is literally 15 years behind. And it's like these companies don't see the value of the fact that YouTube is literally video on demand, how you like it, when you like it, when you want it. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, that's the world in which we live now. You know, people, they order DoorDash when they want it, how they want it, Mm -hmm. how they like it. They watch Netflix when they want it, how they want it, while they like it. I mean, the meat eater guys, I love me some meat eater. I love Steve Rinella and his whole deal he's got going on over there. Those dudes have put their new episodes on their website that can be consumed when they want it, how they want it. Yep. You know what I mean? It's just like it's that on-demand style of content is what is going to rule the world in 10 more years. Yeah. I th- Well, the fishing industry is considerably larger than the hunting industry there's a, it's a way bigger industry and bigger things take longer to spin. Right. I mean, it's a bigger cog that you're trying to turn over. Um, you obviously the, the big outdoor channels, shot show, all that stuff, they're probably still slow, but there, I, I've talked to a lot of people and the growth is just not on the airwaves anymore. The growth is in digital. It's in YouTube. It's in, um, 
all these accounts where they can make stuff and upload faster. Like the hunting public explodes and they upload. I mean, it's almost like three days behind when the hunt happened. So like you're saying, like the seasonality of it, they're posting stuff now when people are excited about deer hunting and it's deer season. They're not waiting till quarter four on the outdoor yeah. channel. We got a 12 week season in quarter four on Tuesday nights at six. I don't give yeah. a shit. I'm not watch. I'm not going to wait that long to watch your show. Um, and then here you talk for 22 minutes about why rage broadheads are the best thing ever. Then that's why you killed your deer. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. care. And that's, that's, that's where the fishing industry still kind of is. I mean, it's start, we're starting to shift away from it. Um, there's a group of guys called the Guggen squad that really changed, changed it. Okay. Like it, they changed everything. Like they put the whole freaking thing on top of its head because they built an entire company from YouTube and it was like, Hey, we're here we're one of the biggest things in the industry now. So now you got to catch up. And so all these companies started to scramble to try to catch up, but it's like, there's still internal conversations of like, I mean, how did damn Guggen squad boys do that? Well, I'll tell you how they did it. Yeah. <laughs> they did it through YouTube and social media and content creation. And like, you know, really like just aggressively going after the average angler and the dude who fishes from the bank and the dude who fishes out of a kayak and not the, sticker boys these pros who have two hundred thousand three hundred thousand dollar rigs and thousands of dollars of you know of fishing rods and stuff like that and you know i say that because there will be somebody that listens to this and be like he hates pros i don't hate pros i have a lot of friends who are pros i appreciate what they do but it's not it is not realistic like the hunting public right it's a, a great de- it's a detachment from where most people are at you got to meet people where they're at. And a lot of people, I mean, if they have a $300,000 pickup and boat, they're, they're not probably asking you how to catch bass. They, exactly. they have figured it out along the way and they've invested a lot of, of themselves into finding the bass on their own. But exactly. when you like the hunting public, you show people how to hunt deer on public land, everyone, that's where people are at. There's a lot of people that don't own land and they're trying to figure out how to shoot nice bucks on public land. And that's why they blow up. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, dude, it's beautiful. And that's the one thing about the hunting industry that I love is just that almost, I mean, dude, it's, it's the vibe. Like it's the core of everything that you do is like that. And I don't know what the percentage is, but I would say a high, high percentage of hunters go to a public piece of land and they, they hunt on that public piece of land and that's their hunting experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where, whereas like, you know, very few people are like, you know, uh, the crush with Lee and Tiffany, you know, they got this giant farm with these giant deer on it. And it's like, that's cool to watch, but it's like you said, there's a detachment. It's like, Oh, that was really cool. But I'm never going to kill a 260 inch deer that I grew from literally watch it grow from a fawn to this giant yeah. that I shot. You know what I mean? And like, and I think that's where with the fishing industry right now is we're at a, a turning point and, and it's, it's happening and I'm seeing it happen. It's just that it's a battleship. And it's taken a while for us to turn, you know what I mean? But when it turns, I think it's going to be fascinating to see, you know, I've been saying this and, you know, and I'm lucky to work with one of the, the biggest company in the industry, Pure Fishing. And I've let it be known that when we double down on social media content creation, content creators, mom and pop tackle shops and big box stores and the number, you know, normal run of the mill angler is when, everything that we do explodes. Yeah. And I was like, all you have to do is look at the hunting industry. The hunting industry doubles down on the normal guy. And it's because the normal guy is who's going to Walmart and buying the thing that they're selling. Not the dude who owns 
600 acres in you know texas and is just like goes out his back door and kills a 200 inch deer like it's just not you know right oh yeah 100 percent. 100 if you don't notice i get on a little bit of a box like a soapbox on that one like no, that's it's exciting to hear i mean you're the second person from the fishing side of the outdoors that i've had on it's been mostly hunters and that's because i hunt 90 percent of what i do in the outdoors is hunting and we do the week in canada and then i get super deep into fishing for about a month like the three weeks yeah. leading up to it and the one week we're there i bought I, I was making my own inline bucktails for big pike and i was trying I to figure it. out how to get like a heavy duty long shaft jig so i wasn't bending them on big walleyes and yeah, I, I like get into it deep and then as soon as that trips over it's like all right back to food plots and and habitat and building deer stands and <laughs> that's awesome man so, that's awesome yeah yeah have you found anything along your journey that's really helping just nail the consistency are you doing any type of virtual assistance or publishing and scheduling apps or is it all manual like you're just getting up and oh it's 9 30 i want to post this video now well, YouTube does a really good job of being very, um, uh, you know, they have a, the whole scheduling like thing that you can do within YouTube. So like I've edited three videos today and they're all scheduled, thumbnailed, titled, tagged, everything ready to go. And okay. I, you know, they're ready. I'll, I don't even have to think about them. They're going to publish themselves because of YouTube's, you know, ability to do that. Uh, Facebook has really doubled down on that as well the past couple of years. So I can now schedule on uh, Facebook and Instagram. Um, so that's huge. Uh, TikTok is still, I mean, it's just like, you know, Hey, I got to post this video, which is, it's, it's sort of a burden when everything else is schedulable, but that's like, Hey, that's a big first world problem. Like, yeah. like Oh, I have, I have to put a video on TikTok, you know? Oh my Lord. And it's, so it's like, you know, whatever that's, that's that. And then, uh, podcast, I mean, obviously, you know, they're very schedulable as well. You know, it's just like yeah. here, I've recorded this podcast. I'm going to put it out. Um, but now nah, it's pretty much everything within system. You know, these systems have grown and continue to grow exponentially. YouTube is, is about to have a giant overhaul first of next year. Um, and they're going to, I mean, just totally kind of change the game as far as short form, long form and podcast. And I think it's going to be very interesting because they are doubling and tripling down on, they know that the content creator is the most important person, like honestly in the world right now. And so they're making it so much easier for those people to create content. It's definitely changing how businesses and brands do their marketing, how they do their advertising. It's, I mean, you know, dude, it's changing everything. I mean, yeah. it's changing politics. It's changing world governments. Like it is, it is crazy and not to get political, but it's just the truth. Like yeah. you, know, you see this the Twitter thing going on right now. Like there are people who are publishing content on Twitter that the FBI are investigating. Like, dude, that is mind blowing to even think about, but that's the world in which we live. A hundred percent. You know, like, yeah. you know, the most influential, one of the most influential men in the world is Joe Rogan. Yeah. And dude, all he does is make podcasts. I've <laughs> heard that I mean? Joe Rogan, every episode Joe Rogan does, he has more viewership than CNN and Fox news combined yes. for their nightly yes. special. Yes. And it's like, one I dude, it's Joe and Jamie. Yeah. <laughs> it's a two man yeah. operation. Yeah, and they're talking about elk meat, LSD, or not LSD, DMT, and aliens, and and like you know chimpanzees. Like, well, dude, it's just he just talks about everything. I mean, imagine to be able to like go back and tell someone like, hey, just have random interesting people on for fifteen years, and you'll be one of the most influential people in the world. You're like, ah, bullshit. Yeah, bullcrap. <laughs> I, you know I, mean? I ain't gonna put that much work in. 
Yeah, dude. I mean, but dude, you you can see that that I mean, like it's fascinating. Like it is fascinating, and, and that was what was crazy. I heard that same statistic they were talking about, like you know, like uh, CNN started some like some kind of subscription service, and like they only got like a hundred thousand subscribers. And I was thinking, dude, like cumulatively, everything that I do has more influence than C CNN's, you know, subscriber based program. Right. And then you see like, you know, their nightly, you know, like viewership is like 400,000. I'm like, I know guys who post YouTube videos that get 400,000 views in 24 hours. You well, know what I mean? That, yeah. The one I'm looking at for you is at 188,000 views. Yeah, dude. I mean, dude, it's just insane. And so, yeah, man, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. I mean, it's just, it's so influential. And I, and I think the faster that everybody gets on board, the easier it's going to be for the world to transition. You know what I mean? And I, I think right. we're in a very interesting time and it sounds very existential and kind of like, you know, lofty, but it's just the truth. Like I can see in my own life how I don't have cable. I only have internet. We've got, you know, Disney plus and Netflix and YouTube. Yep. It's like all we do, you know, and ESPN plus. Yeah. And like outside of that, I don't, I don't have cable anymore. And it's like that generation of people who are watching TV shows and watched Bill dance and watched Jimmy Houston. And I have a world of respect for those guys. I mean, I, I love Jimmy. He's a, he's a good friend of mine, but it's like those dudes are slowly waning out of the spotlight. And oh, Jimmy's yeah. done a really good job of getting on YouTube. You know, he's doing the YouTube thing now and it's because he sees it as well. It's like, you know, that, that pop that ESPN used to have doesn't have the pop that it used to anymore. And, right. and it's like, it's just not, it's not what it used to be. Everybody wants that on demand style content. Yeah. I, I remember growing up as a kid, I was watching, um, Buckmasters. Like I would mm -hmm. just look forward to Buckmasters and the crush with Lee and Tiffany. I just couldn't wait till that show was on. Nowadays, I only watch three professionally produced hunting shows. Randy Newberg's Fresh Tracks Outdoors, the West, he's got the Western public land hunting scene. I watch Some Meat Eater and Drury Outdoors, and all three of them have moved to complete online streaming. None of them are on the airwaves anymore. Uh, Drury Outdoors might still be on the airwaves, but they also they have their own platforms. They're on, they're on Carbon TV, My Outdoor TV, um, it's all streaming. And, the, and and I don't even watch most of the other big productions anymore because they're too slow. They're too ingrained in the rut of, you know, thanks to Matthews Archery and Rage Broadheads. It's the only reason I got this deer. And it's like, big no, it's not. just sponsored by Rage Broadheads. And I get sponsorships. Like, I would love to have sponsors. But it's not like I'm going to lie to people and say I wouldn't have been able to shoot this if I was using a Bloodsport or, yeah. or an well, Iron I mean, Will Broadhead. Like, it's like the Rages yeah. are good. They work. But it's not. You don't like it people are sick yeah. of that like we use rage yeah. here's the hole yeah. it worked for yeah. us make your own decision and that was you know that was a whole nother thing when i started creating my content kind of getting back to what i talked about earlier it's like two you know middle-aged white fat guys standing on the front of the boat like hard selling you and i have sponsors i mean like i yeah. have sponsors they pay me a lot of money and i can't believe that they do to go fishing but it's not hard selling it's like here's this new bait let's go see if it works and you go crack 20 pounds, you know, of large mouth or small mouth on it. And it's like, yeah, it works. And then it sells and it's not a hard sell. It's not a, if it wasn't for the slobber knocker, I would have never caught this fish. It's like, no, dude, this thing just works and it's good. You know? Yeah. And it's like, I show rods breaking I show things falling apart. I show things not working. And, and I think that is the realism of YouTube and kind of that way that content sets up on YouTube that isn't, 
you know, like do professional grade content is amazing. I love like, you know, the public land guys and, um, you know, well, I wouldn't even say that they're like, they are professional, but when I was talking about like professionally produced, I was talking like, like, uh, a production company, like we're hiring this production company to come in and produce this. I think the hunting public guys, and I'll say this for a lot of people. I think some of your smaller grassroots people that have built their own stuff produce far higher quality content. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the stuff, some guys with like DSLR are producing these days. It's insane. Yeah. And I mean, dude, it's so attainable. And that's the cool thing about YouTube is like, dude, like I can go buy a $2,000 camera set up and I can make anything that anybody's making out there, you know? And it's like, it's incredible that technology has come as far as it has. Like one of my favorite content creators on YouTube is a guy named Mav and Mav's got 2 million subscribers. He gets a million views of video and he films everything on his iPhone. Yeah. And it's kidding. That is the beauty of it. Like that is like, that's the essence of YouTube. You know what I mean? It's like a dude with an iPhone can, can make a million view channel, you know? And so, yeah, dude, it's, it's, that is such a cool kind of deal, but I think it's also, you know, what the appeal is like, you know, like you said, when you're hard selling me on that, a rage broadhead is what killed the deer. Like, come on, like, just talk about it. Like enjoy the experience of killing the deer. Yeah. Like just sit there and look at that. 180 inch giant you're, you've got your hands on and just be like this is it you know what i mean yeah no well if rage is producing if they're promising 180 inch bucks i'll switch to rage i will i'll i'll sell my <laughs> morals and switch to rage for the 180s but no just kidding um yeah it's you just gotta be honest i mean i i briefly entertained doing a podcast like a gear review podcast and i was just gonna start with all the gear i have because i've put some gear through the ringers and just brutally honest unbiased reviews good bad the ugly everything and the kind of the goal was eventually i'd just burn through all my pieces of gear and then hopefully that it catches traction before i run out of gear and then people start sending me free gear and i was like okay that's probably a little bit too like selfish (laughs) i'll send it send it dude send it i'd listen to that i mean well then i found out a lot of people are already doing that and they're better connected it's like i don't i don't see that like as a reason why i can't i just I don't need to try to just do something someone else has done just to see if I can mm-hmm. do it better. Like I wanted, that's why I picked this demographic. Cause there's not a lot of people out there talking about outdoor entrepreneurship and how, you know, how did you start? How did you grow? What did you find success with? What did you find failure with? Um, yeah. But it's like everyone want, everyone's grown up one day and said, I wish I could hunt and fish for a living. Well, I mean, I think, I think not having this information is like you said earlier, the biggest obstacle that some people have, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, it's just the fear of like, I don't know how to do that. When it's like, if you can listen to an hour and a half long podcast and figure out like, Oh, like here's five things that I can go apply to what I've got going on. And it helps somebody, dude. It's, I mean, that's huge. Like, yeah, I, I love this. Like it's, yeah. this is only one of the, honestly, one of the first podcasts I've had where we've talked strictly business. Yeah. You know, like I, it, it gets integrated, but most people want to just talk about, you know, fishing, you know, or hunting, like, yeah. and nobody wants to talk about the business side of it. And I think some people are kind of scared. Like they're kind of like, Oh, we don't want to step on anybody's toes. And I'm over here. I'm like screaming from the mountaintops. Like, like, have these conversations because like yeah. when we have these conversations and we share this information, it's what gives us, you know, cumulatively the leverage we need to go and do what we want to do better and more efficiently. Oh yeah. I mean, I should probably do better about making like bonus episodes. I'm like, here's how you pull a professional email. Here's how you set up a Gmail inbox. Here's how you do your, you know, a DBA. Here's how you file for your sole prop. 
And so if you're listening to this and you want to hear that stuff, let me know. But that's probably what I should do. I should mix some of that into because we talk a lot about it. And, you know, my thought was like, imagine if someone listens to this and they've been watching you for years and just like, oh, my gosh, Alex has got the dream life. I wish I could do that. But, man, I don't he knows everyone and I don't know anyone. And, you know, here's all the reasons why he can do it. And I can't. And then they hear you say, like, dude, I started on accident just mm-hmm. doing hook sets. Yeah. And, yeah, and then I've met a guy and then, and then I met another guy. And now all of a sudden that's how I got here. They're like, wait, if Alex started, it sounds like Alex started from the same spot I'm in right now. Like maybe I could yeah. do it too. Yeah, absolutely. Dude. I mean, <laughs> that's the deal, dude. I mean, just send it like yeah. in the world. And, that, and that's what I kind of meant by earlier. That it's like, you know, social media is probably the most influential thing in the world is and That's just it. Like we live in a day and a time where a normal person can start a TikTok, and next thing you know they're sitting in the dude who sings for rascal flats you know living room i saw it's this guy following TikTok, and he's like sitting in the dude you know sings for rascal flats living room just having a conversation with him and it's just like all he does is pull clips and go what is that um you probably know who i'm talking about he's the dark-headed guy and he's like listen did you know and he like says oh some justin dangerly there you go yeah, yeah that dude and yeah. it's like dude, he'll cut like someone that? off and be like, "Listen, did you yes. know white-tailed deer's only got teeth on the bottom of his mouth? Well, now you yeah. do." Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's like, dude, like if that guy can do that, then anybody can do anything. Oh yeah. And and I and I think another thing, and I, and I want to share this because this is a big thing that I've been seeing lately. Is this this? I don't know. I don't know if it's an act. I don't know if it's a belief. I don't know what it is, but. I see a lot of people acting as though it is like a landscape of disparity on any of the platforms. No, like, yeah, there's a certain amount of people who like hunting. There's a certain amount of people who like fishing, but I can promise you, we have not even chipped the top of the iceberg. When you, oh, the so you're saying like, like when people say like Instagram's dead, nothing's working, there's no growth. Yeah, no, dude, nothing is ever dead. Oh, yeah, no, I don't believe that at all. I mean, things change, and yeah, maybe you're not, like you said earlier, like, I'm not getting the follower growth I used to, but my reach is 10x my followers. Like, I'm still getting what counts, and it's the views. My content's getting absorbed. Yeah, for sure, and and some of them are flying by. Um, For me, like, someone could say Facebook's been dead for two decades now, Facebook's my fastest growing platform right now because I just started a business page and posting reels on Facebook and there's a lot of traction. I just, over the last two weeks, I've doubled my page count. I mean, it's, you you just got to like, you got to just look at the landscape and recognize it, it, what it is, like recognize it Mm -hmm. for what it is and, and, and then adapt the way you play the game. Like you could say the same for TikTok. Well, I can't post anything on TikTok because I'm a hunter and they take it down. I'm a hunter. They haven't taken down anything from me for two years. You just got to learn that this is TikTok. You can't post dead animals. I can make all kinds of content around. Like I just got to dodge that one flag. Yep, exactly. And and that's one thing I want everybody to understand. It's like we are not in a landscape of disparity. Yeah, Facebook. Okay, so let's say Facebook started out as a peach tree, and we cut all the peach. You know, we took, picked all the peaches off of it. But at the end of the day, guess what? There's still a tree there that we can use. And so, so all Facebook has done has changed its outward appearance and how it operates. And what you have to do is figure out how to change with that outward appearance and that operation. And like you said, business pages and reels like dude, fan pages and business pages right now are the biggest thing on Facebook. Double down. I started a Facebook fan page for Alex Redfishing in June 
I've got 2,300 locks on there already since June. Yeah. And it's like, it's one of the fastest growing things that I've got going on. I'd never been on Facebook before, but it was just like, I've got to get in here and I've got to do this thing while this thing is available to me. And now, like you said, dude, it's one of my best performing platforms because it's so easy to, it's so easy to engage with your followers. Yes, dude. Yes. The barrier for someone to leave a comment on Facebook is shockingly low. Like you have to beg people to comment on an Instagram post. And if you just post like one question, like, man, I don't know what walleye fishermen do, but bass is like the best you will have people out of the woodwork commenting and then you can start engaging with them. Like you can have fun, like to do that on Instagram, people just like scroll, scroll, scroll. I don't know what it is about Facebook and it's, and they are aggressively fighting for content creators. I mean, they are paying up the wazoo right now for content creators. Absolutely. Well, it's because they're behind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're just like YouTube was 10 years ago. They're just like TikTok was, you know, during the pandemic, it's just like, Give us everything you've got because we are so dramatically behind everybody else. We've got to catch up. Yeah, you're probably and, gonna have start having like creator hop. Like mm-hmm. everyone's gonna hop to Facebook because they're yeah. paying, but then that's gonna fizzle out. Facebook can't yep. afford everyone. And then YouTube's yep. like I just heard YouTube announcing they're dedicating a huge portion of ad revenue towards shorts. So then everyone's yes. gonna hop over to YouTube. Well, then they're yep. gonna come away from TikTok. So TikTok's gonna be like, oh, we gotta do something now. So then they yep. up their game and then everyone hops back. And then there's gonna be this new thing. Maybe Vine will come back and they're gonna start yep. paying for creators. So then everyone hops over to Vine. Yeah, yeah, and dude, and that's what I was just saying. It's not a landscape of disparity; it's a landscape of opportunity. Oh, and you just got to execute on the opportunity and like be on it, be ahead of it. And I know that's so hard. You know, for some dude that works forty hours a week, he's got two kids, the yard's got to be mowed, bills have got to be paid. Man, it's like I hear you so deeply because I used to be right there. Like I used to be in that boat of like I've got so much to do, I don't have time for this. But dude, if you'll just take an hour out of your day. And just sit down, read an article, post a couple pieces of content, and just in, engage with a few comments, and then do it the next day, and do it the next day, and do it the next day. You'll look back, and you'll be amazed how in 365 days, you have grown by X amount. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, 1% a day compounded for a year is like 173% change. There you go. Yeah. That's what I tell people all the time. I was like, get 1% better every day. And by the end of the year, you'll put 365% better. Like it's just oh, it's like, even more than that. I mean, it's insane. Like, you know what I mean? It's just, or no, sorry. I, I messed it up. 1% compounded a hundred times. So a hundred days, it'd be 173%. Yeah. By the time you get to 365 days of doing 1% effort, I mean, you're probably over a thousand. I mean, it's yes. just ins- like, it's just these small steps stacked on top of each other. That's how you yes. win the race. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, that's just, I want everybody to kind of understand that. Like, it's like, I'm just a normal dude. Like I'm nothing special, nothing. Like there's nothing special about Alex Rudd. Like I love fishing and I know a lot about fishing because I've been doing it since I was, you know, old enough to walk around. But I mean, like realistically, when you look at me, like I'm just a dude who loves fishing, who just built this thing because I loved it that much. And I mean, if you got a passion for anything, even if if some guys listen to this and, you know, they enjoy hunting, but really their passion is like jujitsu or basket weaving or working on cars. Like I know a dude who quit his full-time job as a mechanic to make videos about working on small engines. And the dude's got half a million subscribers on YouTube. And all he does is he buys broke down mowers and 
weed eaters and blowers and all these different things and repairs the engines and makes a series of videos about them. And the dude is like making upwards of seven figures a year on YouTube just making that content. He's probably why I was able to retune my weed whacker last year. Probably. Like, and like, dude, there's the, I mean, there's the deal. This guy just saw, he goes, not a landscape of disparity, a landscape of opportunity. And I'm going to make the best educational small engine repair videos I possibly can and just did it. Yeah. Yeah, there's yeah. there's there's no limit to what you can do out there. I mean, that is for sure. Nothing. That's for sure. Man, this has been a great conversation, Alex. I really appreciate you coming on, spending some time with me tonight. I know you're a Absolutely. busy man. Give people a chance to follow you. What are the socials? Where can people tag along? Where can they check out the best kayak fishing content on YouTube? <laughs> I don't know if it's the best. I'm still I'm still learning the kayak. I'll, I'll be honest, but uh, yeah, Alex Red Fishing on everything. So if you type in Alex Red Fishing on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, any of the places you can find podcasts, any of those places, my ugly mug is going to pop up. It's going to be a little orange icon with my big bearded face on it, and. Uh, follow along it's uh i've got a little bit of everything going on like i said so if you've got time for short form i've got short form if you got time for podcast i've got podcasts so any of those platforms is alex red fishing and and i'll be there awesome you are one of the few guests that has a longer better beard than me <laughs> well i appreciate that you got a good beard yourself man don't 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 be hard on it. it's a good beard thank you yeah it's part of the business it's part of the marketing strategy you can't sell beard products if you don't have a beard yeah, yeah, I saw a guy promoting beard oil the other day on a YouTube channel, and he had like a little scruff on his chin, and I was just like, that's that's just shameful. That's just shameful is all that is. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, thanks for being here, Alex. Thanks for listening, folks.